Uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, not a couple of weeks ago, actually, six, six weeks ago, I got to take a trip down to Portland State University with four other people from this church. Uh, we went down to work with a bunch of campus ministries down there who were putting on a week of events called Fearless. And uh, as I was interacting with college students throughout that whole week, I was reminded of one of the things that I love most about college students, and that is that they've got their whole lives ahead of them, kind of set out before them, and, and, and they've got kind of boundless opportunities. And so I found myself a lot during the week asking um, college students the question, what, what do you want to do with your life? What do you, where do you want to go? And, and I found that a lot of them gave me really kind of traditional answers, like, you know, I want to get married and have a nice house and have a family and you know, have a good job and retire early. And, and so as I heard all of these kind of traditional answers, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if there's a better question that I could be asking, one which really like gets at the heart of, of, of what I want to know about them. And so I wonder if a better question is, what are you willing to suffer for? Because the reality is, in life, you don't get anything without being willing to suffer for it. You know, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, you've got to work and suffer through those long hours. If you want a good marriage, you have to suffer through those tough times. And if you want to be parents, then you have to suffer through long, sleepless nights with crying and vomiting and whatever else they want to throw at you. So maybe a better question for these college students is, what are you willing to suffer for? We're reading through the book of Acts here at Chapel Hill as a congregation. It's the story of Jesus' disciples after Jesus left them. And we're doing as part of something called the 90-day challenge. And we're reading one chapter a week. And we're engaging with this chapter in different ways on each day of the week. And we have these red journals that I know some of you have. If you don't have a red journal, you can still pick them up. Uh, They should be at the Connect Center. And uh, you can get them online as well. We would love you to join in with us if you're not already doing it. If you've fallen behind, don't worry about it. Just pick it up again tomorrow. We're in Acts chapter 6 tomorrow. And what that means is that today I'm talking to you about Acts chapter 5, which is what we looked at this past week. And as I was reading through Acts chapter 5 this week, I I found myself asking that same question, what are you willing to suffer for, of the apostles, of Jesus' disciples. I found myself asking, what were they willing to suffer for? And so I'm going to tell you a story from Acts chapter 5 this morning. And as I tell you that story, I want you to be asking yourself that question. What were the apostles willing to suffer for? So this is the the story from God's word. Now, many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles, and uh, lots and lots of people were coming to believe in Jesus every day. So much so that the high priest and, and, and the people who were with him, who were called the Sadducees, they began to get jealous. And so they uh, arrested the apostles, threw them in prison. But in the middle of the night, an angel appeared to the apostles and opened the prison doors and let them out and said to them, go back to the temple and keep preaching the words of this new life. And so the apostles did just that the very next morning. Now, when the high priest gathered together the Jewish council and the Jewish senate, um, he ordered for the prisoners, the apostles, to be brought in. But when they went to the jail, they weren't there. The guards were there, the the doors were locked, 
but the prisoners were missing. This kind of puzzled them a little bit. But then someone came along to the high priest and said, look, the people who you arrested, the men who you arrested are back in the temple teaching in the name of Jesus. And now there were a lot of people there with them in the temple. And so they wanted to bring them before the council, but they didn't want to disturb the peace. So they did it without force. And they brought the the apostles before the Jewish council. And the high priest said to them, didn't we tell you to stop speaking in the name of Jesus? Yet you filled Jerusalem with this teaching and you intend to bring his blood upon us. And so Peter responded to them and he said, we are to obey God rather than men. He, the God of our fathers, raised this Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. And, and God exalted him to his right hand and placed him as prince and savior so that he might bring repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses to this. And so is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those who obey him. Now, the high priest and the council and the the senate, they were infuriated by this. And they wanted to kill them. But a man named Gamaliel rose up. He was a respected teacher among them. And and he said, can we put these men outside for a moment? So they went outside and Gamaliel spoke to them. He said, look, we've seen stuff like this happen before. We've seen people rise up and have followings. And then when those men have died, the followers have dispersed. So I say we leave these men alone. Because if their plan is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, it will never fail. And we might even be found to be opposing God. So they brought the apostles back in. They had them flogged, told them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. The apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name And every day in the temple and going from home to home, they continued to preach and to teach that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So I asked you a question. What were the apostles willing to suffer for? What do you guys think as you listen to that story, as you've been reading through Acts? What were the apostles willing to suffer for? Jesus. And not just Jesus, they were, they were willing to suffer for something very particular. Speaking Jesus' name. We see it again and again. We go back to chapter 4, which was what we read the previous week. Peter and John were arrested, not for healing the lame man, but for, for saying that he was healed in Jesus' name. And they were told by the high priest and his family, don't speak the name of Jesus. So what did they do? They went out and started speaking the name of Jesus again. And what happened? Well, they got arrested again. And this time the apostles along with them. But that didn't stop them because in the middle of the night, an angel comes along, sets them free, tells them, go out, keep speaking the name of Jesus. So they do that. They're back in the temple the very next morning, speaking the name of Jesus. And so what happens? They get brought before the council. They get questioned. Why do you keep speaking the name of Jesus? And they don't just use this as an opportunity to kind of defend themselves. Peter goes for it here. He lets rip. He speaks to the council about Jesus. He says, this is who Jesus is. You know, they never would have had that opportunity to speak to the council had they not been arrested. And he tells them about Jesus. He can't stop. 
And now the council want to kill them, but thanks to Gamaliel, that doesn't happen. Instead, they get flogged. Now, this is not just some kind of light beating with a little stick or something. This is 39 lashes with a leather whip with many tassels on it. 26 lashes to the back and 13 lashes to the front. Men would walk away from this with their their whole chest exposed. And so they get flogged. And then they get told by the council, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And then they get let go. And so what do they do? They go back to speaking about the name of Jesus. It says every day in the temple and from home to home, they continued to teach and preach the name of Jesus. You could not stop these men from speaking about Jesus. What were they willing to suffer for? To speak the name of Jesus. That's what these men, these apostles were willing to suffer for. And so I want to ask us the same question. What are we willing to suffer for? Now really, as I I speak in the next 20 minutes, I'm I'm more going to be speaking to people who already follow Jesus. So if you're here and you you don't follow Jesus, I want to ask, would you consider just for the next 20 minutes stepping into the shoes of a Jesus follower? Imagining what that would be like? Because I'm really going to be asking questions of Jesus followers here today. And so I want to ask that question. If you are a follower of Jesus, what are you willing to suffer for? What are we, as followers of Jesus at Chapel Hill, willing to suffer for? Well, sadly, it's not the same thing as the apostles. Um, The survey says, we took a survey two years ago of our congregation, and the survey says that only 23% of our congregation regularly shares their faith in Jesus with someone or people who don't know Jesus. That means most of us don't share our faith in Jesus. We don't speak the name of Jesus. And, and I get it. I totally understand why. I think back to my time in high school. I was totally ashamed to be a Christian. I didn't want anyone to know that I was a Christian in high school. I was so fearful that I was going to get cut out of the group, that I was going to lose my friends, that, that I wouldn't have a place to belong. But there were a few times I, I kind of got found out in a sense. I remember one time I was sitting in math class and one of my uh, rugby teammates turned around to me and he said, hey, Ellis, I heard that you're a Christian. Is that true? And I could feel my pulse racing and you know, my palms starting to sweat as I realized, uh-oh, here it comes. And so I kind of go, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then quickly asked him about the rugby game on the weekend to change the subject. You know, I was so scared, so ashamed that if people found out, they wouldn't like me. This is, this is real. We have real fears about speaking the name of Jesus, real fears of being rejected, real fears of, of not knowing what to say, of thinking we might say the wrong thing, real fears of damaging a relationship. I don't want to belittle these fears, but the reality is that we are not willing to suffer to speak the name of Jesus. And the apostles were. They couldn't stop speaking the name of Jesus. Some of us can't even start. And I get it. I understand it. I'm there with you. And so I want to ask, I want to go to Peter and to John and the apostles, and I want to say, why did you keep speaking the name of Jesus? 
What was it that drove you? What pushed you to do this? And the cool thing is that in this passage today, they give us a reason for why they're speaking the name of Jesus. So I want you to grab your Bibles, open them up. There's pew Bibles in front of you if you don't have them. Um, You can get your smartphones out, whatever you've got to do. Acts chapter 5, and we're in verse 29. If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 924. 924. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. And so this is, this is Peter and the other apostles standing before the council and the senate and the high priest pretty much literally says to them, why do you keep on speaking the name of Jesus? Why are you doing this? You're filling Jerusalem with this teaching. You're bringing his blood upon our heads. Why are you doing this? And this is how Peter responds. He says to them, he gives them two reasons why they keep on speaking the name of Jesus. And the first reason is who Jesus is. He says, we must obey God rather than man. And the God of our fathers, that's our God. He's speaking to the Jewish council here, right? He says, our God raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior. Peter says, why, why do we keep speaking about Jesus? Firstly, because of who Jesus is. Okay, Jesus is not the dead man that you tried to make him. Okay? God raised this Jesus from the dead. He raised him to life. He is not a nobody who died out. He is a somebody who's alive. And not only did this God that we all serve raise him to life, but he seated him at his right hand. He exalted him to this position of power. And he has made him prince and savior. This is who Jesus is. And because of who Jesus is, we cannot help but speak about him. Because of who God has made him to be. We must obey God. And God has said this Jesus is the person of extreme importance. And we must speak about him. That's the first reason they give. Because of who Jesus is. And then they give another reason. Peter gives another reason. He says, because of what God does through Jesus is his second reason. Let's keep reading. Right there in the middle of verse 31. God did this that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. That's what God does through Jesus. Okay, God is a relational God and he desires to be in relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with his people. But the reality is that when we turn away from him, which is what the Bible calls sin, when we turn away from him, we break that relationship down. It was how we were designed to be in relationship with our heavenly father, but we break it down. And through Jesus, what Peter is saying is that God offers forgiveness of sins. He offers the restoration of that relationship. And God doesn't only just want to be in relationship with us. God wants more than that. He wants to be with us. And so Peter carries on. If you keep reading in verse 32, he says, and so is the, he says, we are the witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one whom God has given to those who obey him. God not only wants to be in relationship with us, but he wants to be with us. His Holy Spirit is his very presence with us. That is God's heart and that is God's desire is to be with his people. And it is through Jesus that that happens. It is through Jesus that God 
is with us. And so Peter says that is why we cannot stop speaking about Jesus. Because of who Jesus is and because of what God offers through Jesus. Because Jesus has been exalted to this position of preeminence, of of super importance, above all peoples, above all persons. His is the name above all names. He is the prince and savior of the world. And so we cannot stop speaking about him. And because through Jesus, God restores relationship with his people. It is through Jesus that God is once again able to be with his people. That we are able to experience his presence with us by his Holy Spirit. Those are the two reasons that Peter gives for why they were, just couldn't stop speaking the name of Jesus. That was why the apostles were willing to suffer. Who Jesus is and what God offers through Jesus. And so I want to ask us as followers of Jesus, I want to ask myself, why am I not willing to suffer for the same thing? And as I hear these two reasons that that the apostles give for why they were willing to do it, I have to begin to ask myself the same question. Do I really believe those things? Do I really believe who Jesus is? Do I really believe what God has to offer through Jesus? Because if I did believe it like they believed it, I I wouldn't shy away from sharing the name of Jesus. And I do. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was with a friend who doesn't follow Jesus and, and they were um, in having, having some, uh, some problems and, and I felt as I was with them that the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, Ellis, offer to pray for them. Say, can I pray for you? And so then this little internal battle starts going on within myself and I start going, well, yeah, no way, God, I'm not going to do that because if I offer to pray for them, they're going to think I'm weird. Like, I know they don't follow Jesus. They probably don't want me to pray for them, so I'm not, I'm not going to ask them and And so I didn't. I didn't ask them if I could pray for them because I was afraid of being rejected. I was afraid of losing that relationship. I didn't offer them Jesus, the one who could have helped them in their pain and suffering because I was afraid of being rejected by them. And so I have to ask myself the question, if I wasn't willing to offer this Jesus that I claim can transform our lives, that I claim can overcome our pain and our suffering because I was afraid of rejection? Do I, do I really believe that Jesus can transform our lives? Is that something I really believe to be true? Because it doesn't seem like I believe it like the apostles. You know, they were willing to suffer for it to the point of death. Every single one of them was either executed or exiled eventually. And they were flogged in this very story 39 times. They were willing to suffer for the name of Jesus, but I won't even suffer possible social ostracism for the name of Jesus. Why is that? And I wonder, is it because I I don't really, really believe that Jesus has power to transform people's lives? I wonder. And I wonder this because we are willing to suffer for things that we believe in. We as a people, the way we've been designed, are willing to go through pain and suffering if we truly believe in something. Take war, for example. I've never served in the military, but there are many people in this congregation who have. And they have put their lives on on the line. They have suffered for the sake of something that they believe in, for the sake of their country. 
Because they believe in that cause. They believe in the freedom that we have here in the United States. And so they go through pain and torment, and some of them torture, and some of them even to the point of death, because they believe in it. They are willing to suffer for something they believe in. Or let's take another example. What about childbirth? Again, not something I've personally experienced. But I'm told that it's incredibly painful. One of the most painful things that you can ever imagine. And yet, women persist on having babies. I mean, if that was the men who had to have babies, I'm pretty sure there'd be a lot less of us in this world. And yet, women go through with it. And in fact, sometimes even want to go through with it because they see the other side. They see why they're doing it. And they believe in it. They believe in the cause. They believe in the child who is yet to come. And at the end, they look back and they say, it was worth it. It was worth it. And I'll do it again. Crazy. (laughs) You see, we suffer for what we believe in. The apostles suffered for what they believed in. And so I have to ask myself, do I really believe this? Because it doesn't seem like I'm willing to suffer for it. And so I want to ask myself the question. I want to ask us the question. I don't know if any of you feel the same as me. If any of you have the same experience as me, I hope you do. I hope I'm not alone in this. If, if, if maybe I don't believe it, why? Why would I not believe it? And I want to hazard a guess here, and this comes from experience, but I also see it in the story of Acts. I wonder if we don't really believe it because we don't see it happening. The apostles are at this time in the, in the history of the church where they are seeing miracles. We started out our, our reading today saying that signs and wonders were being done all the time. They're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people, their lives being transformed as a result of Jesus' name and the work of the Holy Spirit. They see it time and time again that Jesus really is who he said he is and that God really can work transformation through Jesus. And so they see it and they believe it. And so they step out and they share Jesus' name because they truly believe that his name has power, that that is the reality. But the question for us is, do we see it? Do we believe it? Because I think sometimes we lack that belief because we don't see it happening. And I want to say that the reason we don't see it happening is quite simple. It's because we don't do it. We don't step out. Peter finished his little speech before the Sanhedrin by saying that God gave his spirit to those who obey him. And I think that obedience, that idea of obedience, is a key thing here. When you look back at the apostles, the reason that they saw amazing things happen was because they obeyed God. When Peter and the other apostles obeyed God by waiting in Jerusalem rather than leaving, they saw amazing things happen. The Holy Spirit came down like a rushing wind, like fire above their heads. He gave them new languages to speak and they went out and 3,000 lives were transformed in one day. They obeyed God. The Spirit came and did amazing things. 
Or what about this, when Peter was walking to the temple and he saw a lame man by the side of the road? He remembered Jesus' call to heal the sick and he obeyed. He said to the man, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He stretched out his hand and he lifted that man up. And the man walked. He was a walking testimony of the power of the name of Jesus. You see, Peter obeyed in the little thing and the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit did amazing things. And I wonder whether we don't believe that the name of Jesus has power because we don't step out in faith on that belief and we don't see it happening. We get in a vicious cycle. We don't do it, so we don't see it and so we struggle to believe it. And then because we don't believe it, we don't do it and then we don't see it even more and then we struggle even more to believe it and we just keep going around and around and I want to say that what was happening to those apostles back then was they were seeing God come through time and time and time and time and time again and it was because they were stepping out just that little bit at a time stepping out they were seeing God come through and they were stepping out again and seeing him come through again and they believed it and they could see it and the transformation was going on and I just wonder what if we were willing to be obedient like they were What if we were willing just to step out that little bit? I said earlier, I mentioned earlier about my trip down to Portland State last month. When I was um, preparing to go down there, one of the things that that I was praying, we we were going to spend a week uh, sharing Jesus with college students. That was what the whole week was about. And as I was preparing to go down there, I said to God, God, I want this week to be about me doing whatever you want me to do. I said, God, I'm sorry. Most of the time in my life, I just do what I want to do. I kind of try to control things and manage them to make it how I want it to be. But this week, I want to be out of control, okay? I want your spirit to fill me and to lead me. And I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And some amazing things happened in that week. One day, at one of the the talks that we would have at lunchtime, every lunchtime, we'd have a talk and there'd be a free lunch and a question and answer time afterwards, and students would come and participate. One day at at one of these talks, there was a young lady who came to the door and kind of like peeked her head in just to check and see what was going on. And one of my teammates saw her and and went across to her and and said, do you want to come in? There's there's free food, and there'll be, you know, a talk and a question and answer time afterwards. And she was like, well, you see, I have some problems with conservative Christians. Um, and so my, my teammate said to her, well, you know, you can leave at any time if you want. And like, you can ask, ask any question you want at the end. It's, you know, it's really open and just come in and give it a try. And so she did. She came in and, and she ended up sitting down next to me. And uh, at the end of the talk, after the, the speaker had finished, I turned to her. I introduced myself. I said, I'm one of the team. And, and I said to her, so what did you think of the talk? What do you think of what the speaker said? And, and she responded by saying, well, you know, I, I grew up in this really strict, conservative Christian tradition. And she talked to me about how she'd been really, really hurt by some of the people in that tradition. To the point where she finds it really difficult to go to church, to even, to even go near a church. And so as we were talking about this, I, I felt within me, the the Holy Spirit saying, ask her this question. How would you describe your faith? I'm like, okay, how would you describe your faith? So I ask it. And all of a sudden, this deep, deep emotion starts welling up within her. She starts sobbing. 
and sobbing and sobbing uncontrollably. She's saying, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's going on. And she starts pouring out her heart and saying, I need to come back to my faith. I need to come back to Jesus. And all I did was ask a simple question. How would you describe your faith? But because I was obedient in the little thing, the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit did amazing things. You see, I think that was what was going on in the book of Acts with the apostles, is that they were obedient to step out, to speak the name of Jesus. And what happened was the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit did amazing things. And I just wonder what it would look like if we were willing to step out, if we were willing to suffer. Social rejection, emotional suffering, whatever it is, if we were willing to step out, something simple, can I pray for you? Something simple, how would you describe your faith? Whatever it is, if we were willing to step out, what would happen? Can you imagine if our community was a community where we were all stepping out in those little things? What change that would make to our surrounding area? Can you imagine the transformation that would happen? Because Jesus transforms lives. When the Holy Spirit shows up, lives are transformed. Healing occurs. Relationships are restored. And God's name is made known. If we were willing to step out just that little bit, God will come through. God gives his Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And so followers of Jesus here this morning, are you willing to step out? Are you willing to risk just that little bit? Because the Holy Spirit will show up. Are you willing to suffer to speak the name of Jesus? And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for stepping into a Jesus follower's shoes for the last 20 minutes. But I want to ask you a question. Do you want that life transformation that happens when the Holy Spirit shows up? Do you want that restored relationship with your creator? Do you want to know what it means for God to be present in your life, truly present? Do you want to know what it means to be transformed, to be the person that you were designed to be? Because that is what happens through Jesus. That is the power that there is in the name of Jesus. And all you need to do is ask him, Jesus, come, fill my life, change me, transform me.